You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey there, Met fans. We won a baseball game against the New York freaking Yankees 9-3. It wasn't easy. It felt like it was going to be easy. And then, of course, the ugly head known as the New York Met bullpen showed up and made it very, very exciting. Let's start off with what I think is good news, but I'm not 100% sure. And that is what happened in the ninth inning of this game when Francisco Alvarez was hit by a pitch tried to check his swing. He clearly did go around. It was called strike three, but he got hit on the hand. And Alvarez's reaction was not good. It was the reaction that reminded me of Pete Alonso's reaction when he got hit by Charlie Morton a couple of months ago. The good news is, even though we got this same report on Alonso, the imaging is clean. Alvarez already came out and said he doesn't expect to miss any time. But my attitude towards this, and this should be all of our attitudes, I'll believe it when I see it. If he's in the lineup for game two of the Subway Series, great, they dodged the bullet. If he's not in the lineup, but he's in the lineup Thursday night against Washington, I would still say it's dodging a bullet. But I'll believe it when I see it. Not after the Alonzo thing. Fool me once, shame on somebody. Fool me twice, I'm not a schmuck. That's the way I look at it. So Alvarez in the lineup on Wednesday, great. He didn't break his finger. All is good in the world. Not in the lineup, we start to freak out. And of course, that has to happen in the ninth inning of a game that you think at that moment has now been decided because it's nine to three. And I I have to admit this, and I, I do this once in a while, but not that often. After Alvarez got hit, I was so pissed off, especially because Vientos had gotten hit um, one batter earlier by the same guy, Albert Abreu. I went back to that old Neanderthal thought of they got to hit somebody in the ninth inning. I had that thought. Okay, Glaber Torres is leading up. He's been their most consistent hitter. Drill him. Giancarlo Stanton's coming up. Drill him. The Mets have a six-run lead. Drill somebody. And I know that's irrational, and it doesn't make much sense. Like, why would it make me feel better to see Giancarlo Stanton's ass get pummeled with a baseball? It really wouldn't. But when you get two guys in a row hit by pitches and both guys were in pain and the Mets seem to get hit by pitches all the time, it's a natural reaction. I want to see that happen. Of course, it didn't because the Mets never do that. Last year, they were hit by more pitches than any team in the history of Major League Baseball. And how often did they retaliate? So they didn't. They did get the last three outs and they won this game. Now, let's go through it. First of all, early on, the Mets were very, very, very fortunate. Go back to the top of the first inning of this game when Brandon Nimmo gets a 3-2 hanger from Domingo Herman and just misses a home run. It felt like Nimmo was going for number 16. 
bounces off the wall. He barely ends up with a double. Actually, the throw by Bowers was off by just enough for Nimmo to beat it. But you're set up with a runner on second and nobody out. And tell me if I'm crazy. Did this not remind you of that game from a week ago? Who the hell were they playing? The Dodgers, the Dodgers series. When Nimmo hits the ball that's ruled a home run, they then rule it a double. He's left on second. Mets never get another hit. So Nimmo does this at Yankee Stadium, and what happens right after? Francisco Lindor grounds out to Rizzo, where the runner came in advance because it was like a sinking line drive. Jeff McNeil grounds out to first base, and it looks like the Mets are going to fail to get Nimmo home after that leadoff double. And when Pete Alonso, who has been showing signs recently, has had a weak pop-up to left center field, I'm already cursing him out. I dropped my pen of my scorebook and I'm cursing out Pete cursing out this lineup and then a gift from the baseball gods. And that gift is Yankee left fielders. The Yankee left field situation is so bad and so putrid and Billy McKinney once a Met forever a Met had no idea how to get to that bloop by Alonzo. It fell in the Bermuda triangle and left center field and the New York Mets were handed a run. But more than that, they weren't just handed a run. They were handed a reprieve. Because if they don't score in the first inning, do we not have all visions of Domingo Herman twirling seven scoreless innings? Like in a weird way, that misplay in left center field changed the entire game. From not only 0-0, because look, not scoring in the first inning is usually not the end of the world, but it feels like the end of the world when you have a runner on second with nobody out and both Lindor and McNeil can't advance them. So that was a Yankee gift. And I want to say thank you to the great Billy McKinney. I also want to say thank you when with two outs and nobody on, Francisco Lindor in the third inning hits another little blooper to left field. And I know there's a lot of people in the audience who play golf. I don't play golf, but apparently when you're bad at golf, you create a lot of divots. Is that what happens off like... You suck so badly at golf, like you create like a mess on the course and there's a lot of divots. Well, considering I'm not a golf guy, I'm just going to go ahead and say, yes, divots are, are definitely a thing that happens when you really suck. You and I are the only two non-golf guys at WFAN. I feel we're in a special class, you know? It's a, it's a, it's a good class, by the way. I appreciate this. So that yeah. You and me are the only two. <laughs> it used to be you, me, and McPherson, but apparently Keith the other night on the fan was talking about, I'm going to get into golf. And I'm like, damn it. Now it's really just me and Pete. So Billy McKinney was, I think my point to this whole thing about divots was that Billy McKinney was putting in more divots in the outfield than a bad golfer on a bad day. He's falling all over the place. He's kicking it around a little bit. And that little bloop double by Francisco Lindor in the third inning was the other game changer because then McNeil puts together the really good at bat against Herman drawing the walk. And then Pete Alonzo, our boy, there's somebody I know. He calls him MV Pete. We haven't seen him be beat in a long time. I think he left us, but he came back for one night. For some reason, Domingo Herman let a changeup just kind of sit there in the middle of the plate on 0 and 2. And Pete crushed it. He crushed it. And from that moment forward, it felt like, okay, this is going to be our night. Three run jack, fourth RBI of the game. And then he does it again two innings later. He hits an absolute bomb to right center field. 
Even Daniel Vogelback hits a home run. And this felt like it was going to be a laugher. You know, Verlander's in complete control, despite making a, a conscious decision to not let DJ LeMayhew hit the baseball. That was a Verlander thing. He's like, I'm not letting DJ LeMayhew even get a swing against me. See, pretty much pitch around him. And he walked him three times. But with Verlander in control and the Met offense clicking, all is right with the world until, until Buck Showalter did something that I know like. I know like this. I do not like this. If you remember in Verlander's last start, he had a chance to go deeper into the game. He went eight. He could have gone nine. And one of my reasons for why they could have had him go nine is they had an extra day of rest. So Buck made a decision that in the moment I'm thinking, wow, I didn't like it then, but maybe I like it now because Justin Verlander's thrown 98 pitches in six scoreless innings. He's in complete control outside of a couple of walks. He hasn't really made us sweat at all. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Verlander looks great. Another dominant performance by him. And because Buck was a little bit more conservative than maybe I would have been in his last start, he would push him. He'd say, you know what? I'm going to let you pitch the seventh inning. So Buck made one of two choices that I don't love. Either he felt at 7 nothing the game was over, which you can never feel with this bullpen, and he got cocky by taking Verlander out, or for whatever reason, he doesn't think a guy making $45 million a year who won the Cy Young last year who missed the first month, so it's not as if his workload has been too high. He doesn't feel comfortable pushing him to pitch the seventh inning with a pitch count of 98 with the bottom of the order coming up. Billy McKinney and Anthony Volpe and Kyle Higashioka. So either he's babying Justin Verlander or he got cocky. Take your pick. I don't like either. Because that forced Buck Showalter to then have to use five effing relievers after building a 7 nothing lead and only needing nine outs. You have to use everybody. And look, a lot of this is failures of guys. Brooks Raley, who's had a really good season this year, came in and he failed. He immediately hits a guy, Isaiah Conifalefa. He gives up a rip double to Volpe off the right field fence. And then this is the one that I can't forgive. This is the worst thing that Brooks really did in his brief performance. He walks Kyle Higashioka in a 7-1 game with a runner on second and nobody out. I'm ripping my hair out. And this is Brooks really doing this. This isn't, you know, uh, Trevor Gott. This isn't Dominic Leone. This is Brooks Raley who's had a really good year. So Buck pulls him after he gets Jake Bowers to pop up. He goes to Dominic Leone, where I, I never know what we're getting from Dominic Leone. I never have an idea. And he walks Glaber Torres on four pitches. This Met bullpen is trying to cause us all, like, mass pain at the same time. 
a four-pitch walk to Glaber Torres when you've got yourself a 7-1 lead and there's two outs? Or why? One out? Throw strikes. He throws a strike to Giancarlo, hits a ball 180 miles an hour, and he's lucky that DJ Stewart makes the catch. And then in his credit, he struck out Anthony Rizzo. By the way, Yankee fans, Anthony Rizzo's back. And, that, and, and I mean that cautiously because as much as we're excited about Alonzo's performance going three for four, and he's been hot for more than just this day, you got to be careful. Anthony Rizzo had a four for four on Sunday. You're thinking to yourself, if you're a Yankee fan, he's out of it. What does he do today? 0 for 5 with two strikeouts. And, and never hit the ball hard. And never look good. So be careful. You know, we enjoy a big-time performance. We enjoy a breakout. It doesn't mean the guy's completely broken out. So, okay, let's get out of it. Not the end of the world. Grant Hartwig comes in to pitch the eighth in a 7-2 to game. And what does Grant Hartwig do? He gives up back-to-back hits and then the killer. A four-pitch walk to Volpe in a five-run game. So Buck is forced, and I don't blame him for this. I agree with what he did. Buck is saying to himself in a 7-2 to game, as the Yankees have now loaded the bases up, so that means the tying run is on deck, which I guess makes it a safe situation. I don't mean I guess it makes it a safe situation. He goes to David Robertson, which I don't have an issue with. Got to win the game. Can you imagine if the Mets blow a 7-0 lead in the seventh inning to the New York Yankees in a game in which Justin Verlander didn't necessarily have to come out of the game? So he goes to Robertson, and Robbie does his job. Great. By the way, this is my whole point, and we'll spend much more time on it on our trade deadline special, which we'll post later this week. This is why if you trade David Robertson, you are giving up. You're giving up. There are trades you can make where you're not giving up. You could argue, yeah, getting a minor prospect, giving a young player an opportunity. If David Robertson is traded, I just want you to imagine a world where he's not in this bullpen. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. He doesn't get to bail you out when three relievers try to blow a 7-0 lead. So Robertson does his job. The Mets break it open in the ninth inning. They get a, a really big hit by Jeff McNeil, who also had a quiet, good offensive game. The two-run double, the RBI single a few innings earlier, the walk right before the Alonzo home run. We shouldn't forget that. So I'm even wondering on Twitter, now that it's 9-3 instead of 7-3, can you actually pull Robertson? Because here's the, the the risk when you take David Robertson out of this game. And I remember the Mets did this last year in the series in Atlanta, not obviously the last weekend, the middle series they played in Atlanta. They used Edwin Diaz in the eighth inning. Close game. Got the big outs. Mets appeared to break the game open. And Buck said, hey, I'm managing for the long haul here. I'm going to take Diaz out. And I think the Mets had a six-run lead. And whoever came in, I, I can't even remember who it was, made it exciting. Like the Braves almost came back. So the risk you have is not just who am I going to? It's if I start to blow the lead again, I don't have David Robertson to put out the storm like he did in the eighth inning. But what Buck did, and this just shows you the state of the Met bullpen, he takes Robertson out up 9-3. Again, I agree with it. He threw seven pitches. You kind of save him now. He'd be available Wednesday. He'd be available Thursday. God knows how many pitches he'd have to throw in the ninth if you keep him in this game in a six-run game. But who does he go to? He goes to Adam Adovino. And, and I know we all don't love Adam Adovino, but if you're ranking reliable relievers in the Met bullpen, he's in the top three. He is. It's Robertson one, 
And then it's take your pick. Probably Brooks Raley number two, despite what happened on Tuesday night, and Adam Adovino three. So he's saving one of his best relievers, but then using like his second or third best reliever to protect a six-run lead in the ninth inning. And that just shows you how crappy Trevor Gott and Drew Smith are. Because Buck Showalter said, I can't trust them to hold a six-run lead. So now you're using one of your better relievers 